0: Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got to be so confident. In this episode, I chat with writer, host, producer, singer, and songwriter, Brian Foster. We talk about trusting the process, extending yourself grace, reminding yourself of your worth, and so, so much more. This is... How the fuck did you get so confident with guest Brian Foster? Alright, I'm recording.
1: Okay, I'm recording too. What are you drinking there? You got some you got a little cafe latte, a little homemade?
0: A little a little iced coffee with a little almond milk. What are you drinking? I saw you were like fancy and shit. You got some cinnamon on that or something.
1: Well, this is an Irish cream uh cold brew which is usually really hard to get at the uh at the 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 big coffee chain you know because it's a limited edition thing it's like the McRib it's like the shamrock
0: you would you would only go for the limited edition thing
1: (laughs) do I come across as real elitist
0: (laughs) 1000 (laughs) percent
1: Oh boy, my my! How the times have changed. You know, we, you and I are very domesticated compared to how we, we were back in the day when we first met. Yeah. Pro- probably doing uh, jello shots off of a waitress at Fireflyer. Oh, some one thousand percent. <laughs> and now we just wear pajamas all day, and we complain about kids out in the front making too much noise. And-
0: oh, I don't want to be that way. If I could, I would change it.
1: I know, but we can't help the fact that we're old people. No,
0: now. we're not. I don't <laughs> count this year. I'm not counting this year, and
1: Mm-mm. I, I, Mm-mm. I'm
0: still the same age as I was last year. And I oh, you're doing
1: that. You're doing that. Yeah,
0: okay. and I and I already was a lie to begin with. It was already not the right age, and now so now I'm gonna not. I'm gonna go back even further and and not yeah. do another year.
1: Because you're an actor, you always have to lie about your age.
0: Yeah. So how you. old are you? Um, over um, over eighteen. <laughs>
1: I'm over 18. That's all you need to know. Here's a quick look at my ID. We're good. Yeah. I'm... Unless it's in. a
0: beer commercial, then I'm over 25 and that's it. Uh, well, thanks for doing my podcast. Uh,
1: I'm honored. I'm honored. Who am I following? Who Or who canceled? Who canceled today? Was it Andy Dick?
0: <sighs> it was Andy Dick. How'd you know?
1: Frank Stallone was supposed to be on. And but I um...
0: quickly texted you, please fill the slot. <laughs> Uh, no, I wanted to... I asked you to do this, like... I feel like I asked you to do this so long ago, and then it just I never so. happened. And I didn't think you would ever... I honestly didn't think you would ever do it. Not because... Well, why not, didn't you think I would do gonna it? This is going to sound worse. Not because you're too busy, but because you just don't want to do it.
1: I... Some, something that's kind of a misconception about me, I think, that people... Because I'm sort of... Uh, I come across as pretty extroverted but I'm really not in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and so I would way rather do what you do which is ask somebody uh about them and then if I if something relates or if I can if I can share or connect in some way with a piece of truth or a story uh you know that's in relation about my life or experience and that's fun Mm -hmm. but I don't really like being on the spot that often it's something that um my fiance and I have, uh, have in common, she she, ha, she has a career where, um, you know, she has to be in the spotlight to a certain degree. And then when she's not, she wants to just be out of the limelight altogether, mm-hmm. you know, and then I, who didn't sign up for that kind of career, I just want to be left alone, period, <laughs> you know, just, just, I just want to be left alone altogether so you know we we end up we're a good pair in that regard i would say we're both sort of shut-ins you know yeah yeah yeah. uh well then i'm honored honored oh oh, i'm so happy i'm so happy okay
0: so this podcast is about confidence
1: Mm -hmm. you
0: strike me as a very confident individual
1: Mm.
0: okay so i sense hesitation in your voice um,
1: tell me why, tell me, tell me why, because
0: we have to define confidence first, right? Cause it means different things to different people. Like yeah. someone came on and was like, oh, confidence is just like, um, like failing and then doing it again. Or confidence is like just being curious about the world. Um, and so like, mm. first we have to define what it is. So what does confidence mean to you?
1: Man, to me, I, I, oh boy, that answer, you know. With age, I think that answer changes with age and with experience and time. I think that to me, it's about being comfortable with who you are, flawed, uh, funny, beautiful, fat, uh, underweight, whatever, however you view yourself, um, if your relation to yourself is 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 healthy if it's uh if it's been manipulated if you're uh if you're sort of disassociated from you know the truths about yourself that that keep you separate from those that uh you know you've always you've always looked at and said i i want to be different if you if one is unable to sort of attach themselves to those things I think confidence is impossible. You're left with sort of just relying on ego. Mm. And the, the ego's pro- projection of confidence is not accurate because it's not encompassing the emotional spectrum of our capability, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes and sense. And so the more I learn to love myself, I hate that term because it's so corny and everything, but. It's why I go to therapy every week and I have for years and years. It's why um, I take medication. It's why uh, I will often you know lift a thing or two from the liquor store if I'm a, no, I'm joking but I have to, I have to literally be more comfortable in my own skin and with myself, um, and I'm someone who's very, very hard on myself because I was raised to be very, very hard on myself. Hmm. And so, undoing that unlearning that and then understanding who I am and when I fuck up going it's okay we'll make this right we'll learn and then move on Um, versus beating myself up or self-loathing and a lot of the uh, a lot of the you know narcotic activity that seems to follow that (laughs) That's self-loathing. So yeah, I, I think that's, that's it for me is just knowing yourself and understanding who you are, good and bad parts of you. The yeah. more you recognize that and you can, you can access it and be attached to it. That's confidence to me.
0: Yeah. I'm taking notes by the way. So if you see me looking down, that's what I'm doing. Um, is this
1: for a book? Am I going to be cited in the, uh, I'm going to recap. I, I recap
0: what the... you say at the end of the episode.
1: Oh, that's going to be embarrassing.
0: Uh, no, it's going to be lovely and okay. Okay. So do you consider yourself a confident person in this current moment? And obviously that's something that changes. Um, Mm. it's Mm. ebbs and flows in life when we feel confident. Do you feel confident like right now as a person?
1: I do in, 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 in many facets of my life. I do. In other ways I am extending myself the grace that is often so easy to extend to others mm. and patience and patience i'm trying to extend those same uh th- those same features to myself and to my own process at the moment so in some regards um and 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 i i feel that that's the healthiest perspective i can have and so to me i i think in some ways i feel very confident right now in other ways i feel like Yeah. I'm giving myself some, some grace and some patience because it's, I I need it in certain areas. Yeah. I, I don't like being in the middle. I don't like waiting on shit. I can have times where I'm super patient about certain stuff. Other times I don't like purgatory. Give me a fucking answer. Even if it's no, I don't want to sit here waiting for weeks and weeks Oh, the fucking guys on vacation and the, you know, just somebody tell me what's going on. You know, it's being stuck in that middle part and in our business, you are living in that middle part for most of your, your career. And you have to learn to be able to cohabit, to cohabitate with that uncomfortable, uncomfortability um, that transcends impatience. It's, it's more of a, it's more of a, Okay. You know in our business it's like you finish a job and then you don't have a job and then someone else calls hopefully the phone rings or you get an email maybe you get another job and so the uh, the impatience with irresolution is something that i that i have to give myself a lot of grace for and i have to to let myself um let myself trust the process
0: mm, yeah trusting the process is like is so hard.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. But I, it's that's, essential. I actually, yeah, yeah, it is.
0: You what? You actually what?
1: No, I actually don't have any tattoos, but I, I want to get this. Uh, I want to get this symbol thing, and, and in this language, it says trust the process because it's not Sanskrit. Yeah, you know people are all doing that shit. They that's are. Not what doing. I don't know. I saw it on. <laughs> <laughs> saw them on Instagram, but I'm not doing that. Uh, but yeah, trust the process because it's something I just have to remind myself about in a lot of different facets, you know.
0: And that's like in doing like these interviews. And wait, what is that? Oh, it's water.
1: It's just water in a fancy chalice. But it looked like know?
0: yeah, I was gonna say it looks like a goblet. And yeah, it
1: is. A, it is. Yeah, it, it. Someone earlier on a meeting thought it was full of white wine, and I'm like, number one, if you're putting. Ice in your white wine. Uh, your white wine's coming out of a box. Yeah. Oh, for Second. sure. And that's
0: and, and that's a lot of ice in your water. Just so you know, you got yes. you like your water real cold.
1: Well, we have one of the little Brita things, but Ash likes to keep it room temperature.
0: That's actually healthiest you dr- for your body. Did she tell yeah, you that?
1: Yeah, I, but I, I do you want me to interrupt the the interview to go pee nine times because the water's flowing through my body? I mean, you know, at a rapid.
0: I would prefer not. So, yeah, I guess I am grateful that you have 29 ice cubes in your, in your goblet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> After this, the ice will all be melted and I'll chug it and it'll be. And then, you know, I can just pee the rest of the day while you're napping.
0: Chef's kiss. Uh, a lot of doing this, these interviews and like just researching confidence in general. The one of one of like the keys to confidence, if you will, is is practicing non-attachment So, like, Mm. being more process-oriented as opposed to being results-oriented. So, like, reveling in the process. Mm. And that's fucking hard to do. But, like, we kind of have to, especially in this industry, like, we have to sit in the process probably longer than most people as it is normally, like, in Mm -hmm. normal jobs or whatever. And practicing non-attachment is huge because we don't even know when we're going to get the next job or if this show's going to go through or but somehow you no. still have to exist and like yeah move through life
1: I feel like it's something that a lot of people who maybe don't live here or don't either know somebody that works in, in this industry or, or, you know, these, all these different sort of industries that we call the industry here in LA, but Mm -hmm. maybe they don't understand because it's, you think, oh yeah, actor, you just kind of do, you know, whatever you get paid. You probably get paid so much for that one job. You don't even need to work all year round, you know? And it's like, no, 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 no. A lot of the people that you've seen on TV your whole life, are probably making what your folks are yeah you know they're not they're not millionaires they're not you know like i mean it's it really isn't that way and so it's interesting because what you're talking about tests are reflexes and our insecurities and our qualities at the same time because for instance i i struggle with being a patient person Mm -hmm. and so to me, if I'm waiting on a deal to close, if I'm waiting on notes for a script, if I'm waiting on an edit to come in or notes I put in on an edit, I'm waiting on a new cut to come in. Um, you know, being respective of how long those things take is just being professional. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. Um, being frustrated with the, the way that the business end of this process process tends to work itself out which tends to be very long there tends to be a lot of negotiating people lie agents go on vacation 50 weeks out of the year uh i swear to god no you're
0: i know i i know it's so
1: annoying when you're like okay we're getting on this call next week next week comes around i'm in fiji we're coming back in two days i promise uh just had to get out. You know, it's like Fiji. I'm wiping down the goddamn Amazon packages. I haven't left my house since what are you doing? Are
0: you still wiping them down?
1: Nah, man. I, I have a spray Oh yeah. and I'll just like spray them and then cut it open and take the shit and then just put, you know, recycle the, recycle the box. But yeah, but yeah, I think that it, it really tests those reflexes and it tests our insecurities because then, you know, if anyone, you know, if, if, if one deals with imposter syndrome, then that stuff starts to kick in while you're waiting. Oh, maybe they hate the script. Uh, maybe they, maybe they saw a tweet that I did in 2004 or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know when Twitter was invented, who cares? Maybe it's this or that. And, 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 and then, and then if you allow yourself to start questioning the validity of the work that you're waiting on an answer for, That's a recipe for disaster because that taints not only your relationship to the work that you're waiting on. It taints your relationship to your future, possibly your future employers. Yeah. You're already projecting into them what they think about you and why it took them so long or why they wrote this note or why they didn't think this joke was funny or whatever. You're already projecting into them your own shit. And that's going to taint the relationship you have to them. And I, and I, th- and I have learned from personal experience, uh, thankfully, I, it's something I, I try to really work on and I try to really make sure the people I work with have this mentality, which is, uh, you know, there's a, there's a time to pick your battles and there's a time to go like, this is our Everest let's climb it. This is our sort of non-negotiable, that sort of a thing that's different then being able to go, I don't want to taint not only my relationship to my work and start to question it, but if I start to question my own talents or abilities, that's going to put me in a relationship of, uh, being discontent even before I've gotten into the house, Mm -hmm. you know, with my new, with my new bosses, with my new roommates, you know, with my new landlord, I've got to, I've got a tainted relationship to it already because I've already projected into their mind that I that I that I'm weak in certain ways.
0: How do you how do you combat that?
1: I look myself in the mirror and I'm like, "You're a badass motherfucker, and you don't take no shit from nobody." Have you seen Cool Runnings?
0: Oh God, a long time ago.
1: That's from how wait how old are you? You're younger than me, aren't you?
0: Do you want, I'm not gonna tell the truth. <sighs> Fuck. Um, Text
1: me your age. I'm 38 years old, lady.
0: Yeah, I'm younger than you.
1: Oh, okay. Even my real uh,
0: age is younger than you.
1: Yeah. Uh, wait, would you ask me? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: How, how you combat, how do you I, combat that? Cause that's, that's going to be eternal in this business. You know, it's not going away.
1: I, you know, my therapist will ask me stuff like, what's the worst thing that, you know, what's the worst case scenario here? And if I haven't already beaten her to that by catastrophizing in my own mind, uh, you know, we'll, we'll sort of arrive at something like I get told no, or I get told it's not good or whatever. And then we have a discussion of sort of, do you believe you're not good? No, I know I'm good. I think I could be better. I think this project could be better or this script or this song or whatever it is that maybe I'm stressing out or I'm waiting to hear back about. I think it could be better, but overall, No, I think I'm okay. Um, I'm not necessarily worried about a rejection making me pack up all my shit, go back to my hometown, and say, I gave it a shot. You know, I've been here for almost 14 years or something. um, And I didn't get to where I could make money full time doing what I did until just a few years ago. Right. And I had plenty of opportunities to give up, I slept in my car you know, I've done a lot of fucking weird jobs and we could talk about that if you want, but I had to, but basically it's a reminding myself like, wait, no, I don't suck. Like if I got in the door anyway, it's because I must have some measure of talent mixed with this hard work. Cause that's really the secret to this town is like, you have to have talent. You have to have some talent, but you've got to bust your ass and you can't, You've gotta know when to take no for an answer. A lot of people say don't take no for an answer. I say that's a recipe for building a lot of bad relationships. You've gotta know when a no is a no. You've gotta know when that when that script is needing improvement or when that song isn't really there yet or whatever else. You've gotta be able to identify those things yourself or to be able to take a note and go, there's some truth to this. I might disagree with certain elements of it, but, but the, the crux of it is, you know, for me, it's just digesting all of that stuff. I have to combat, I have to combat the, the insecurity or the imposter syndrome or whatever with what I know to be true about myself. And that's that I work hard and I'm honest with the people I work with and I work for. Um, I try to be respectful, but I try to be brutally honest and I'm a shit starter when I need to be. And, you know, if somebody's, if somebody's acting a fool or treating people poorly, I am not afraid. I'm not one of those people who's like, I'm just trying to get ahead. I I don't want to rock the boat. You know, I'll fucking rock the boat if the boat needs to be rocked. But the rest of the time I think you won't really get far in this business unless you have not only a healthy relationship to yourself and your output, but a healthy relationship to those people that you want to eventually partner with to bring that thing to reality. Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: and I think at least for me, I went through <clears throat> like a it was like a pendulum from being like what did what's your note okay I'll i do exactly that note yep okay and we'll do it that way more on like an act more from like an acting perspective not from a writing yeah. perspective or I would do the opposite and be like fuck you not like mm-hmm. t- I wouldn't say that to them but I'd be like fuck your yeah. note I know I know acting you're just some fucking manager you're just some fucking ad- you don't know art fuck you fuck mm-hmm. off. Um, mm-hmm. And I've really had to like find a a middle ground between those things because neither of them are healthy and neither of them are going to lead to a successful career. So,
1: no, it's so weird, Mm -hmm. huh? It's so weird because and you see in movies and shit where they'll be like, they get up on the table and they fucking you know, and then the executives are like, okay, all right, all right, all right, you know, you got it, you got it. Here's an extra ten million for your stupid. Yeah, it's like that ain't that ain't it. it. It it really is like any other sort of workplace in that regard in that you have people above you and your stuff has to go up the chain you know i've got to get i'm working on an animated uh project right now and you have to get approval for every little thing you never would have thought when you're writing the script years before or whatever that someone would have to Someone in a a, a legal department would have to clear a dumb, obscure joke you made that you're already hoping only like five people get, you know, and then you're just like, what the fuck? A lot of people become very frustrated with that process because they grew up with an idea that, or they're, they're presented with the idea that, you know, once you sort of get to town and things are working for you, you write your shit, you make your music, you do your auditions, you do your shit and then just... Things just kind of go one thing after the other. No, it's a long process. You can be working for ten years. You know, you have to think about like Game of Thrones. Those people all work together for 10 years. If you stay on that show the whole time, that's a that's a long time to be working with people. Those are your co-workers. You're spending more time with them than your family, all that stuff. It's the same principle. That relationship has to be healthy, it has to be strong. It starts with my relationship to myself. The biggest divas. And, and douchebags and people like that that you see on sets or that social media or that, that, that act out are typically the most insecure motherfuckers there are. because And that's why they command the attention they do on the set. They command the attention they do out in the world um, because they think of them th- themselves so low they need to be lifted up uh, by the vapors that is sort of praise for someone like that. Yeah. Um, were you, It's a hierarchy bullshit to
0: y- me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, were you a confident kid?
1: No. No, I was bullied really bad. I had really bad eyesight. I still do. I'm legally blind without my contacts, but I'm getting LASIK this year, which will be really fun because, you know, there's a certain point where you can't do it anymore. Like my mom, my mom was past where they could do LASIK on her. By the time they even invented LASIK, she was already.
0: Oh shit. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, but I'm still, I'm still within my, uh, within my statute of limitations. So I can still, I can make it, but, um, yeah, I, I had glasses that didn't fit me. Cause we grew up pretty, my dad is a minister and you know, he made like 30 grand a year supporting the five of us or whatever, you know, and, yeah. um, and that was rough. You know, we, we'd had it better than a lot of other kids, but, but I was definitely probably one of the brokest of the kids that I knew. Mm-hmm. And that was, yeah, we got made fun of for that. And, and then I, when I had to get glasses, I had to wear like a big, these big, like giant glasses and, you know, yeah. If my shoes were falling apart, you know, just shit like that. Yeah. And so, i learned how to fight back i was also a very tiny skinny kid i was so small and so i got made fun of for being skinny but then i couldn't really fight you know my grandfather box my father box it was very important that i not if i was gonna learn how to fight that i'd Never got in a fight at church and I never got in a fight at school and I never hit somebody that didn't hit me first and all the different, you know, sort of rules. And I, I never really, so I had to learn how to fight back with my words. And I had a very active brain had a very active imagination. I was writing from a really young age, uh, just as an outlet, Mm -hmm. just to, just to really, I didn't know at the time, but I was trying to just be heard. Yeah. Yeah, I was just trying to be heard, and if I could even just write it down and not even show it to anybody, it was uh, it was a form of relief in that way. But, um, yeah, so I had to kind of develop. I went into theater and stuff in junior high, and that helped. I think that helped a little bit because once I started to be aware that I had abilities um, – intrinsic abilities that I could cultivate with hard work and with coaching and teaching and, and, and being open, um, having an open heart to it. I knew that I could probably become a halfway decent musician or a halfway decent writer or whatever. And I, 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 once I started to sort of see myself attached to certain creative things like that, I became, a little more confident in myself in that way. But, you know, you have to understand, I grew up in a very fundamentalist evangelical environment where every single decision and thought was subject to God's will and approval. So that tends to create in someone like myself a splitting of values and a splitting of priorities that I had to sort of choose between. Um, you know, my family, I also come from a family of people that are pastors and stuff. So there was a lot of expectation growing up for me to follow in the, uh, the giant impossible footsteps, you know, as people would tell me of my, my dad and my grandfather. Um, I never wanted to fucking do that. Your grandfather
0: Uh, was a pastor as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he got he became a Christian when my dad was about 16 and they did like a complete 180 and then yeah, he became a pastor in uh Central California where I spent some of my childhood and then my dad uh my dad's been a pastor my whole life and right. still is to this day. Yeah. So, He's so how dude. did
0: how did growing up in a uh Christian household with with pastors as relatives did that have an effect on your confidence did that have an effect on you as a person and like how how so
1: well something that it's taken me a lot of years to realize and this isn't necessarily you know I would say that even though my my parents have a lot of different values than I do Mm -hmm. I would prefer that my parents have the values they do over a lot of different views that a lot of people's parents have. That's what I'll say. Just to be, just to be as elusive as possible. Um, the effect that it had on me and my confidence was in church, which I spent four days a week in church, you know, um, if the doors were open, we had to be there. Uh, and, we had a certain set of rules from God. Okay. The Bible, um, the givens, you know, all that stuff, uh, that come along with sort of the Western idea of Christianity. And then, you know, whatever church you're in sort of has their own rules on top of that and their own way of doing things on top of that. And then at home, my parents had their own set of rules for like inside the house.
0: A lot of rules.
1: So, and, but the thing is, is that when you're growing up in, in an environment where everything is so black and white, in as far as the really like evangelical Christian idea, um, as a child, when you're told the consequences for your actions can end up in eternal damnation and torture, and then, you know, but that rule comes from God, right? But then like, don't talk back to mom or whatever, like the home rule is, or you can't say darn or, you know, whatever, you you know, those consequences fall under the commandment of obeying your parents, which those consequences fall under eternal damnation, Mm -hmm. which starts to blur all of those things. So in my life, I grew up with, here's the list of 10,000 things you can't do. And then here's 5,000 more things you can't do. Because your dad's a pastor, and if anybody finds out that you watch Ninja Turtles or that you do whatever, the other kids are gonna go, well, Randy's son's allowed to do it, so why can't we? You know, And the next thing you know, all the kids are watching Ninja Turtles, and before you know it, there's like an It-style orgy of mm-hmm. all the kids in the basement. Yep. Uh, Worshipping Satan, yeah. Adrena-, Adrena, Chrome or whatever the fuck it's called that Tom Hanks has been uh, eating out of Trump's brain or whatever the fuck. So. <laughs> so I didn't, I, you know, again, the, any confidence that I had had to either come from healthy relationships with with friends and people that I had that were outside of, of you know, that that systematic sort of tribe or just from myself going like, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? What do I feel like I'm good at recognizing that stuff and then pursuing it? And I, yeah. Did it take until
0: you were moved out of the house to be able to do that, to be able to like talk to yourself and figure out like, who am I? What do I value? You know, what am I good at? What can I see myself doing in the future? Or were you able to do that? still under the roof and still because I'm assuming you probably went to church then as long as you were living in that in your family I house. did
1: I graduated high school at 17 years old because I was super smart no I started school a year early um, <laughs> I know I saw your face that was not even believable yeah. for a second.
0: it's like we all know that's not true <laughs> no mm,
1: um no. I graduated at 17 and I had a scholarship to come to Los Angeles to go to school for acting, if you can believe it. Whoa,
0: but I actually didn't know that.
1: Not a lot of people do because I'm not an actor and i it's not really my, it's not at all what I'm pursuing or want to. But in high school, I did a few plays and my acting coach was from nyu uh, my acting teacher was from nyu and so she had called some people to come out i did a production of 1984 which is a really popular book this year um and for the last couple of years but i did a uh, it's kind of basically a one-man show it's very depressing i did it when i was 16 uh my last year of high school and so some people came out and blah 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 and then they gave me this scholarship thing and 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 I was sort of at this point where I was like, I'm going to go to LA and I'm going to try and do something in music, film, TV, whatever, you know, I had started playing music by that point and I was getting really excited about it. And then I went to my usual, uh, youth group summer camp that summer. And you know, my youth pastor and some of the other leaders there were like, no, you need to go pursue ministry, you know, And I didn't want to pursue ministry at all. Um, I hadn't really wanted to my whole life. There was pressure. There were times where it's like, maybe this is the right thing to do. Or you go like, is God calling me to go Mm -hmm. to Mexico or whatever the fuck, you know, and people put that shit in your head. And so I basically got talked out of it. And, um, I was told about this school in Las Vegas of all places where you go for two years, you get like an accredited, accredited, uh, degree that you can then take to a university or to, or a seminary and transfer that over to do two more years. And then I could have had my master's in divinity or whatever I wanted to do.
0: Okay.
1: And, but along with that schooling came this like ministry school that this church did, uh, where you basically like were the church's slave and had to work there 24 seven and go on all these trips and go out on the street and try to get people, recruit people for the church and all kinds of weird shit. Um, but my youth pastor knew the people that ran it and he convinced me to go out there for a weekend, went out for a weekend to Las Vegas at 17. I met some really dope people my age that I wasn't going to meet in the tiny town I lived in in central California. And they all talked me into it and seemed like a dream come true. And then, uh, yeah i got out there and and realized that the church was a cult and
0: holy shit
1: all kinds of crazy shit was going on um i I went there for two years they kicked me out i never got my uh the office claimed that there was some kind of clerical error and all of my certificates that i had completed all of my accredited college courses were gone so all of my two years worth of however many credits I had that I was going to use to transfer to go to a legit college disappeared in the uh, controversy of me getting kicked out of the school.
0: Holy shit.
1: So that fucked me up. That two years fucked me up more than anything else because it really? really indoctrinated me with, you know, because I grew up with like a, a very strict form of Christianity, but this was a very extreme form of uh charismatic Benny Hinn but weirder type shit, you know? So it really when I got home I didn't believe in anything anymore. Right. I started doing drugs yeah. and just I I I spent my twenties um lost. I spent my twenties on a sinking ship while the ocean was on fire, if you will.
0: Did your parents, did your parents know that when you were doing the two years, were they like privy to the fact that these people were fucked up?
1: I think they saw enough to know it was definitely an extreme or a perverted version of the same thing that they believed in. I would like to think, and I'd like to extend the grace to my parents to believe that in their heart of hearts 20 years ago, they were thinking it's better he's doing this than snorting oxy off a baby changing station in a West Hollywood Starbucks bathroom. You know what I mean? It's better he's doing this uh, than if he was, you know, living in LA or New York or, or pursuing some sort of ungodly profession. My, my folks will always be proud of me. Um, I don't think, you know, my dad would always joke he never wanted me to go and follow him in the ministry because he wanted me to make money. <laughs> um, you know, but I don't that's not to say there's not some part of him that still felt that way. And, yeah. and that's why they went like, yeah, this seems a little messed up. But, you know, at least he's still in the bubble. At least he's still in the Christian sort of world, you know. If you
0: yeah, will. but that must have had that must have had a huge impact on your confidence because you're brought up your entire life with a set of rules, a set of beliefs. You go to a school to continue and expand upon that as a profession. And then sounds like some weird, traumatic shit went down. And then yeah. now you're like, everything that I once knew is now not. Everything yes. that I thought um, I wanted to be, or that the world was, even, everything that I thought the, the world was, is not that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it was a complete, huge. it was a complete foundational crumble. And I started to go to a therapist because at 19, when I got home, um, I had a driver's license. I had gotten in trouble when I was a kid. So I think there was some legal thing where I couldn't get it till I was 18 or something like that. But I was in a lot of trouble as a kid. I mean, I, I wasn't getting, uh. What do they say? You know, I wasn't really getting the attention I needed, so I went out and got the attention I wanted. But, you know, when you're a pastor's kid, they expect you to be either completely perfect or completely rebellious, and rebellious was way more fun, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I started doing drugs at 13 and all that shit because a small town, uh, expectations, pressure, all that stuff. Did your parents um, know about it? They knew, yeah, at some point, because, uh, you know, for someone like me, um there's certain effects of certain pharmaceutical drugs that are hard to hide. Sure.
0: But then it wasn't until I
1: moved out.
0: They had to hide it from the community, right? Because
1: Yes, because if it's, you know, for my that's the that's one of the pressures you live with your whole life is is you know, my dad could lose his job if I did something too bad. Right. And I'm not talking about killing someone or something like that. Right. I'm talking about if I got busted uh, skateboarding downtown with the sack of pills in my pocket. Right. Or you know what I mean? Like, so you live under this fear all the time of my dad could lose his career if I fail in a moral way that 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 folks will project onto him. You cannot lead in this house if you cannot lead in your own house. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: that makes sense.
1: There's a lot of that growing up. That's a
0: lot of pressure, a lot of fear, and a lot of like having to keep secrets.
1: Yeah, and I ran away from home at 17 years old ultimately to run away from that thinking I was entering a system of freedom and thinking I was entering a system of a place where I could both learn more about and exercise the values that I had at the time and uh, further nurture and expand upon the talents that I felt like I had at the yeah. time. If I was going to give up coming to LA to, perf- to pursue uh, what was really my dream as, since a child, uh, you know, whatever I was going to go to connected to God or not needed to also further that dream inside me, but everything and everyone was smashing that down and telling me that unless I was going to come to Hollywood to make Christian stuff, mm, 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 which sucks and it's all dog shit, you know, then, then, then I shouldn't come because then I am, I am altering my the timeline and the trajectory of my life from where God's will has me or wants me to go, you know, which God's will would obviously be that I work in something ministry related. So Um, then
0: how do you, how do you, what do you do? How do you justify that? How do you rectify that? You come back, you do a lot of drugs, you party. At some point, do you like hit a bottom where you're like,
1: yeah, this is not working. Several, several, several. And keep in mind that, um, in my early twenties, it was partying and it was uh it it was, it was going out was was how I dealt with a lot of stuff you know um later on, the heavier I got into drugs and everything, the more isolated I became mm. because when you get into you know oxymorphine heroin fentanyl uh those aren't really drugs you put in a bowl when you got like your friends over and it's like, hey, let's sit on the couch. We'll slam a little H, we'll put on some natural born killers and we'll kind of like sleep for 12 hours, you know? Trash can next to you in case you puke. Trash can next to me in case I puke. Uh, here's a blanket for the shivers. I'll turn the air up to, uh, you know, it's like it, they weren't really party recreational drugs right. and they were th- they were things that I did to self-medicate a range of issues that A, weren't my fault, and B, I didn't even know were there. Mm. I didn't even know what I was self-medicating. I went through a really bad breakup because I was a mess. And if you can imagine the, kind, the state I was in when I got home and I started dating this, this girl at I think I was 19 or 20 and I sh- had no business being in a relationship. And, uh, you know, it was my first like very serious one and we broke up all the time and all that stuff. And, and when that was over, there was a lot of self-loathing and hatred and, and, uh, and that I put a lot of my heavy opiate and drug use on that, the end of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And the truth is it really wasn't that the truth is I was, you know, almost 10 years later, medicating uh giving up on my dream Mm -hmm. and and listening to those people that told me god wanted me to give up on my dream you know yeah um i had a few close calls where you know my heart rate got down to absolutely terrifying to where I, you know i'm jumping out of bed and, and doing jumping jacks to try and just get my heart going um people coming over to wake me up and just can't get, you know, climbing up to my window to actually physically wake me, you know, hit me, shake me, wake me up. I just had a lot of, I had a lot of friends die too from, from drugs. You know, it's a guy I worked with and I got pills with him uh, every day, every other day, whenever our, our person was stocked, Um, went to rehab for 90 days, came out, relapsed two, three days later, died because his, you know, his body detoxed. Right. He reset. and He tried to take the same amount right, he did right. before, yep. and it's yep. the old thing. I lost a lot of people, and I got really scared. And I realized I was living. Uh, I was living in a shithole called Modesto at the time, and um, I was far away from people on purpose, and living very isolated from friends and family. And I, at the time, I was about hundred pounds. You know, Holy about shit. 65 pounds lighter than I am now, if you can imagine, I'll show you some pictures pretty wild, but, um, I had, you know, very sunken black eyes. I, I, you know, like I ate once a day and you throw that up, Right. you throw that up anyway. And so, um, I just realized I want to live, man. Like I want to, I was, it was partly fear and it was partly just knowing I had some Value to this world. Yeah, you know, I I knew that I did I didn't know how that was going to happen yet and oddly enough the 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 answer came in the form of I would say a tragedy which is that one night I was super gacked out of my fucking mind at two in the morning and My sister that you know showed up at my house um, Six and a half hours from where she lived and told me that her husband left her and was just devastated after being married for four years and and this whole thing i sort of had an excuse a good excuse give up my sad life there come to la help my sister get her shit together and get her life back on her feet you know she had to move out she had to do all this crap um that was really sprung on her and you know we're super close i said you know what i'm gonna see if my job will let me transfer i took a month They let me do it. Um, I came to LA, you know, my sister was dealing with her shit. We got her sort of to a stable spot and boy, I was not ready to come to LA yet. I traded doing all the pills and the opiates for just like going out drinking and doing Coke every single night with people I worked with. Um, you know, I, I lived in a small town where if we did drugs and and drank and partied. We did it in someone's garage. That's a hundred degrees. Right, you know? right. we're, we're drinking warm, uh, old English and smoking parliaments. Um, and my first time, you know, in LA, it was just like, Holy shit. You know, there's people just go Big out city. and drink every yep. night. It's fun, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I lasted about three months. Uh, one of my best friends from Las Vegas that I lived with out there, uh, when I was younger, who's a, police detective he came out to visit <laughs> he had something for work and he came out to visit we went out to dinner and he looked at me and he was like bro you look like shit you when was the last time you like ate ate i i'm like I, I ate lunch yesterday what Great. are you talking about uh so he took me out to eat and basically told me you know I this this road you're on is not going to go anywhere good I think you need to dry out. And uh, he offered to have me move in with him and his wife in Las Vegas for like a year and just dry out, get my shit together and um, get a plan of action together. Cause when I moved to LA, I wasn't writing, I wasn't doing music gigs. I was, I was working seven days a week and, and doing just lots of Coke and lots of drinking just to because I, I had no plan, right. you know, and it's like when you are idle hands, you know, when you you gotta come. And I tell people that now all the time. If you're coming to L.A., you gotta have a plan. You gotta have like ten grand in your fucking bank account right. because <laughs> it's expensive out here. So about,
0: you did you go live with him and his wife?
1: Uh, I did. I went out there for a year, and that was the smartest thing I could have done because really? they kept tabs on me. They kept me healthy. They kept me busy. Wow. Um, and they did not judge me. You know, I had, I had relapses and they didn't judge me. You know, I had, I had failure after failure after failure. And you know, they had known me since I was 17 years old. And so, uh, they could, they already knew what they had to put up with. But, um, I went out there, I sold cell phones. I lived a very boring, you know, Las Vegas is a very boring uh, place to live. And I, I, uh, if you live out there in the suburbs, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty boring. And that's exactly what I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when you tell people you spent a year in Las Vegas to kind of dry out, they're like, excuse me. (laughs) Um, but it is a very boring suburban place, you know, uh, outside of downtown. And so I did that. I came back here, uh, May 1st, 2008 and I was ready to go. Yeah. I had a job. I had an apartment lined up. Uh, you know, I found online with some people and I had a little bit money saved and I had some character and I had some confidence in myself yeah. that I wasn't going to be a fuck up, you know, and that I could do it, but I needed a transition between, you know, my junkie life out there and then being able to handle coming to LA. Yeah. You know,
0: when did you start therapy?
1: Well, I was going to someone when I came home from that school at 19, but he sucked, and he didn't really know how to get through to someone like me, and he was also Christian, so he was kind of like, well, you know, some of that doesn't sound very bad, and I'm like, oh, it's bad, you know, and so Uh, that was tough, and I I realized (laughs) if I'm ever going to do therapy again, I have to go see somebody that is not some Christian therapist. Yeah, and
0: sometimes you have to... People don't understand, like, you don't always, and you normally don't, like... Find a match, quote unquote, like a match in a therapist. The first, the first person you go to, because I know a lot of people mm-hmm. are like, well, I went once, and then they didn't, we didn't jive or whatever, and so I stopped going. And I'm like, dude, do you know how many different therapists I've had to go to just to find someone that, like I feel comfortable with and I jive with? Yeah. Like it, it's just don't give up on the if you have one that's shit. Um, yeah. That is inevitably that will happen.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I finally started going about three years ago, um, you know, my twenties, I didn't go to therapy instead. I did a bunch of, uh, freelance research for various pharmaceutical companies. Obviously. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, when I, uh, milestones, you know, are milestones for a reason. They, yeah. when I turned 30, I left the church and then a couple years later realized, okay, I have no net underneath me that I thought I've had my whole life. Um, It was sort of another rug, uh, another experience of the rug coming out from underneath me. And it's also when I met my fiance, um, who was able to really understand and still to this day, obviously, but understand. Oh God. She's really the first person that I've ever met that there's so many aspects about myself. I do not have to explain to her. Mm. She just knows it. Or I'll start to go like, I do this because she's like, I know why you do that. You know, like it's okay. Um, she's someone that has taught me. I don't have to disclaim everything first. I don't have to apologize for (laughs) so much stuff, you know, that I say or do and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, my, my therapist now is amazing and she's not American, which I really like because her perspective is, is very blunt. I would say.
0: Oh, yeah. wow. That's interesting. I never thought of mm-hmm. that as like a thi- like an aspect of looking for a therapist.
1: Yeah. I mean, she was referred to me by another friend of mine. Um, and th- I didn't know she was, uh, Australian until the first day I talked to her on the phone and I'm like, Oh shit, you sound like, uh, that lady from lost it's like my baby you know yeah yeah yeah. that one yeah
0: okay hey, has anybody ever has anybody
1: what? ever told you that you look like you could be related to brooke baldwin from cnn
0: no i don't know who that is i don't know who anybody is if you could name okay. you could name people all day and I'd t- i don't know I don't I don't I have no idea. I don't keep up on it. Um, I'm gonna Google Do you know who it. Yanni? Now. What? Do you know
1: who Yanni is? Are you familiar with Yanni? No. One of our greatest living musicians. I think he's still living. No. Anyway. What's your next question?
0: Uh.
1: <laughs> listen to some Yanni after this. When you take your afternoon nap. I know put on Yanni. Some Yanni
0: Yeah, my afternoon nap. I don't even sleep I have the worst sleep. I'm the worst sleeper. Uh, you seem Same. like someone who'd be a bad sleeper.
1: <laughs> uh I I, I, I I, I can sleep through a lot of stuff, but it does take a while to get me to yeah. sleep. I'm one of those people that can't go to bed until I'm like nodding off falling asleep. Yeah, okay. I My, my, my biggest pet peeve in the world is laying in bed awake, not being able to fall asleep. I oh, can't yeah. stand it. It, it gives sucks. me so much anxiety.
0: It sucks. It's the worst. Um, yeah. So you're on medication now for- mm. Yes. Mental health.
1: Oh yes. Yes. I don't yes. Know if I have that, a whole if team
0: comfortable talking about that. Yeah. A little
1: bit. Yeah. 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 I, I have a, um, I have such a history of sort of self-medicating as a way of self-parenting, if that makes sense, mm, so this yeah. throw some sort of therapy terms at you, but, yeah. um, stuff I've thought about for a long time. Uh, and you know, in one form or another, you know, coming to realize that I've, I've, I've self medicated all the way into my, you know, past my mid thirties, and so you know, it doesn't always have to be, you know, with substances. It can be with just, you know, a mentality or or um, an activity. And so, I realized after a couple of years of therapy, okay, we're doing some really good work. There's a lot of really positive change happening. I'm having some changes in my mind. I'm having some changes in my, my, uh, my actions. You know, I was happy with putting my, some of my tools that I was learning to work, but there was still this very intense daily cloud that was not circumstantial. It wasn't attached to any sort of thing that was happening and it wasn't sadness. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, uh, uh, You know, Kierkegaard calls despair the, the sickness unto death. And, and I wasn't even in despair, but I did feel like it was a sickness unto death. I did feel like it was just a continual uh, hindrance to, on my spirit and on my mind. And that's when I said, you know, I've been kind of afraid of medication my whole life because people have always said, oh, it takes your creativity away you'll be this sort of zombie. You won't be able to write. You won't be able to make music or do any of that stuff. Uh, That terrified me. Yeah. Um, I talked to my therapist about it. She laughed in my face and said, you know, drugs have advanced quite a bit in the last 20 years (laughs) since someone fucking told you that. Um, And, you know, I had some very bad, I've had some very bad times this last year. I've had a couple of breakdowns. I've had some very, you know, it's a fucking process. Like we were talking about earlier. So now I have like a little team, you know, I would say like 40% of my money goes towards my mental health. Me too. I'm the
0: same way. But that's okay. Like it's okay. I'm like, that's my luxury purchase is like my mental health. It is
1: exactly right. I literally joke with people all the time that somebody will send me a pair of sneakers and I'm like, man, that's two sessions with my, um, so I, so I have a I have a therapist that I see, and I have a I have a psychiatrist and addiction specialist that I see. Oh, that's so um, great! And then, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a, and then I have a doctor, you know. And so the, I have I have my my body and my mind. You know, I've I've put my body through a lot, um, and so I get a lot of I get a lot of checkups every year, and just. You know, when when you when you're someone like me, it's hard to be honest with the doctor about a lot of your previous uh, drug use and things like that. But but if you can be, which I do recommend, (laughs) if you can be honest with the doctor about it, um, the kind of care you'll get is uh, is infinitely better because. Um, they know how to treat you and they know, they know what you've been through and they know where you want to go and they know what to look out for in your body as you get older. And, and, uh, you know, if, if some of the, I've been very lucky in that, um, you know, I, I haven't outside of, you know, maybe my brain's a little, uh, my, you know, my wires are a little crossed but other than that, I don't think I have sustained any real long-term uh, damage from any of that stuff. Did so you ever go been. to
0: like meet like meetings or anything, or are you just strictly went to just one-on-one uh, therapy?
1: I will tell you that I, and this is a really tricky. I used to talk about this a lot different than I do now, but I've gotten older and wiser. I recommend very, very highly recommend programs like AA and NA to people all the time, depending on sort of what what their relationship to their struggle or their sort of addictive element is mm. if that makes sense that but does. for my but the meetings didn't work for me for a couple of reasons and this is not me saying i don't recommend them that's why i wanted to disclaim with that well, first. yeah
0: everything's subjective we're all unique individuals what works for one person is not going to work for another person like we just have we come from different yeah backgrounds and traumas and da, 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 da. so that's another disclaimer
1: and, and trust me uh as much as I enjoyed and still to this day do enjoy the the company and the crum, the camaraderie of of, of uh, being a prestigious junkie, uh, you know. But but I found it difficult, and this isn't again. I'm just a super stress. This is just because of my own process. I found it difficult to keep identifying myself as a drug addict years and years and years since I had done those drugs mm-hmm. and I also um some of the religious connotations to the meetings tr- were triggering for me sure. not to use that uh, great word but so I I didn't have money for rehab yeah, obviously none of that stuff right. so I, literally sheer tyranny of will and 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 being able to write and create um and just the will to live, I think, is what I could point the finger at to get. That's what got me through. Yeah. It still and still does. It still does. Every day you wake up and go, not today. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: What did what's your relationship with religion now? Or is um, that personal and private?
1: No, no, no. It's okay. Uh, you just ask me all the inappropriate questions.
0: God. Jesus Christ. This is this, and this one of all questions is the most inappropriate.
1: Mm. I would say that it changes, you know. I yeah. don't subscribe to the Christian faith anymore at all. But I would, I, I would say that I think that maybe there's a God above, but all I've ever learned from love was how to shoot somebody that I drew. Yeah, I think that's going to be my answer. Stop <laughs>
0: it he doesn't want to talk about it
1: <laughs> i think well i mean do you have a, are I, I guess you spiritual? i don't i i no i do i'm not spiritual so when anymore. you
0: die what do you think happens
1: i don't know i don't think anybody knows but i think most likely no. nothing yeah i think most likely nothing and i've come I've, I've been on a journey from being absolutely terrified of that because you grew up thinking as long as i do everything right I get paradise, you know. If I don't, I get eternal torture and Jeez, damnation. That is
0: that is so big. I've that is such a huge. That is just so fucking big. My mind can't even wrap my wrap it. I don't even understand it.
1: It's a lot to put on a child. And would you be surprised that millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people in this country put that on their children every single day in some subtle form or another that subscribe to that sort of faith? You know, it's interesting, but it creates it. it creates such eternal and dire consequences for your mistakes that you either become so terrified of making them that you become an extreme people pleaser, which I did not. Or you just go, I'm going to fuck up. I'm yeah. just going to fuck up. Mm-hmm. You just live it, you know?
0: Yeah. Did you have to reparent yourself?
1: I still am. I Every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better. Um, that's, a, that's a quote from a TV show called Boardwalk Empire that I really like. I am... Uh,
0: you know, I think we all have to reparent in some way, shape, or form.
1: We do. Because even if we had the best parents, um, and my parents are amazing people, but their priorities were just, it's funny because my parents' priorities were imbalanced, but you know, again, the grace I extend them is it was the work they were doing that kept them from the family was God's work. It was eternal. There were like, people were their lives were being changed, you know, people they were being saved, they were being transformed, and so there was this fruit, uh, if you will, to use the biblical term, that could be provided as I would say defense against acknowledgement that even though those works were good, um, it's not by works that we're going to be known as the scripture says. And so uh, th- my parents sacrificed a lot to, to transform the lives of a lot of people. And they did, and they still do. Um, for someone like me being the youngest and, 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 and my, my wires being a little cross and needing a little bit more attention than perhaps, you know, my parents job load and, and, and with ministry and being able to manage at home, it just couldn't work. And so It's not something that I hate them for now or anything like that. I understand completely why their values are where they are. I just had to reparent myself and and have a different, it's huge.
0: Like you extending grace to that, to them Mm. would be, I don't do that with my, with my dad who I don't talk to. I have yet to get to the point where I'm extending grace And I don't know that I ever will or, and I don't know that.
1: Well, it's been a long process for me. and I'm still, it doesn't mean that there's not still days where I don't wake up and I'm not mad or I don't have a memory where I go, God damn it. Where the fuck were you? Yeah. Like you don't even talk to those motherfuckers anymore that you were spending all that time trying to help. I'm still around. Right. Uh, You know, I, I wake up with moments like that and I, you know, I try not to judge myself too harshly in that regard because I, I, I know that I'm so hard on myself because my whole life it was, you can't do this. You can't do this. You're doing that wrong. You're doing that wrong. You're doing that wrong. You got to do more of this. Got to do less of that. Got to do way more of this, way less of that. Uh, you talk too much, you don't talk enough. It's, it was just, it's insane. And then now you have all those voices repeating in your head for all these years. Every time you, you do something, it's, you know, you're doing that wrong. So it's so it's first on learning that, right? Changing your programming, and then secondly, yeah, extending the grace. If you if if one's able to forgive themselves, which is one of the hardest acts that I think we can do as people, it's so much easier to extend that grace to somebody else sometimes. But yeah. once you get it, and you're able to sort of apply it to yourself, you go ah. Here's some, here's some areas where other people could use that. You know, there's other people that I, you know, I tell people all the time, my resentments keep me alive. There's other people on my list that I'll just never forgive, but my folks, yeah, you know,
0: they did, they
1: did, they did did what they were trying to do. And, 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 and a lot of the values that I have to this day that aren't connected to the Christian faith are because my parents had so many values. I took the good ones. I will hopefully pass those along to my children someday if I have them. Um, and I'm going to throw the rest of the baby cheeses out with the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. But Uh, yeah. uh,
0: Okay. So we're already over an hour. So I'm, I have to, I have to ask some final questions here.
1: Let's go. Whatever you want.
0: Okay. What advice would you give to someone who's looking to be, who's not a confident person who wants to be more confident?
1: Hmm. Okay. I would say, you know, for me, writing stuff down is really, uh, helpful because I can look at it. Um, I can leave it on my desk. I can put it on a mirror. If it's something I need to remind myself of. And I think it's a good idea to just write down so you can look at it, the things that you like about yourself. I think that's a good way to start. If it's one thing, that's fine. Um, take that list however long it is look at each thing on there again, even if it's just one thing and think about how that one quality or that one thing that you like about yourself trickles down to these different areas of your life, how that affects your relationships, how that affects your work. Um, You know, you you don't want to just write down what it is you like, but why? And then that will start to, I think, domino a lot of thoughts, you know, if, if, if our brain, if we focus on negative shit, we'll just kind of think negatively, you know? And then if like a song comes on, be like, I fucking hate that shit. You know, I hate that shit because I didn't sleep well last night. Not because it's not a good song, you know? Right. Unless it's like French Montana or something, then it's just not a good song. But Looking at something like that, it opens up your mind to focus on, you know, I'm not like a "Mm, a big positivity person. You're not going to see fucking memes on my, my thing, but I do. Not on your public account, not on your public uh, account,
0: but on the private one.
1: Let's not talk about the private one. Cause that was all memes all day (laughs) at BF memes. Um, (laughs) But it's all just memes of me that I've made of myself. I know. Uh, Yeah. I just think like, start with something you like about yourself Let that spider web out and and let yourself really look at the other things that you like and how, how you can bring all those things into what you love to do or want to do or currently do. And that will give you more confidence in what you're doing. But in order to have confidence in what you're doing. You got to know what it is about yourself that you like Mm -hmm. and that your where your strengths are and the places that you want to improve. Cause that's confidence too. Confidence is also knowing I'm weak in these areas and you have confidence in the fact that you're, you're literally human enough to admit it and go, I want to grow. That's confidence too. It's just as important as recognizing the, the the places that you're already pretty set.
0: And that like weaknesses don't negate your value. Like, Mm-hmm. just every mm-hmm. we all have them are now, like, weaknesses
1: contribute to your value because once those become strength and you overcome whatever they are that's just another notch on your character board.
0: right right but sometimes I forget like my weaknesses are the things I'm not good at I'm like well they need to be better well I guess they need mm-hmm. to be better mm-hmm. um but I don't give myself the grace or extend myself the grace to be like okay well, we'll f- slowly figure it out and work on it I'm yeah. I, I'm more so I'm like well, I guess you're a bad person. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I would be lying if I said I don't have a tendency to to jump to that conclusion pretty early myself.
0: Okay. Well, I'm gonna recap what I've my notes.
1: Was this was so
0: sad? No, it wasn't. Was this fine?
1: It wasn't. Okay. I feel like it was. Was it all really depressing?
0: No, it was. Okay. It, good. Okay. No. All right. just no, Checking in. Don't question it. Don't question okay. it. Okay. All right. <laughs> i love you so much okay uh get comfortable with who you are learn to love yourself therapy medication if it's what you need unlearning negatives from your childhood extend patience to yourself like you do to others um trust the process that's a huge one uh learn when to pick your battles Remind yourself of your worth, your talent, your hard work was two that you named. Um, find an outlet for your emotions. Know that you bring value to the world. Have a good community around you. Reparent if necessary. And I think it's necessary for everybody. Um, non- yeah. Non-judgment both from yourself and those around you. Uh, be honest with your doctor. Mm, yeah. That's a good one. Go easy on yourself. Forgive yourself. Extend grace. Write stuff down. Start with the things you like about yourself. See how it affects your world and why. Know your strengths and weaknesses. What else? Have yeah, you
1: that all sounds like really brilliant shit.
0: Yeah, you thought of it.
1: This is your best episode. Yeah, it's episode I like heard, thirty. I, I've only heard Ashley's one. I haven't heard it anymore.
0: Ashley's so was like one, the first one.
1: Was that the first one?
0: Yeah, I think.
1: Whoa, cool.
0: It might have been the first one released, maybe the second one
1: recorded. This is so fun. What what do you what do you love the most about this? What have you learned from this whole thing? That's so a really
0: far? nice question. Um
1: turning the tables here. Yeah,
0: I love a table turn. Um just the amount that I've learned about myself through listening to other people is wild. Like mm. I even if it's not directly me, like sitting and meditating. Uh, which I do, which I recommend if, if you don't yeah, just big time. sit alone with yourself is super important. But like from hearing little tidbits and other people and like recognizing them in myself has been s- just so cool. I mean, this is the, my favorite thing to do is, yeah. is interview people about confidence and, um, not, but then it extends, you know, it ends up not being just about confidence, which I think is so cool. And yeah,
1: Well, confidence is a branch, you know, it's a branch on, on a tree of, of, of qualities and of, of, it's really a skill to a certain extent. It's a skill. Um, I would say confidence that's not, you know, over, overconfident, you know, we all know, we all know people like that, but, or hopefully, you know, we don't, um, I do, but they're on their way out, you know. What I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah, I think I, I, I think as long as we have a healthy relationship to what uh, the exhibition of confidence is yes. outwardly, yes, and that our relationship to ourselves is healthy in a way that we are not, uh, you know, inflating ourselves too much, or we're not also expecting too much of ourselves, mm. or setting ourselves up for for failure.
0: Totally. And I think at the beginning of this this journey of doing this podcast, like, I had a completely different definition of what confidence was, and then I do mm. now. Like, just my thoughts on the topic ha- have just completely shifted. I used to think it was, like, a tangible thing that you, like, you have it or you don't have it. Mm. And it's just, yeah. like, that's truly not what it is. Um, mm. And I didn't realize, like, how much goes into confidence. Like, childhood things, other emotions, just... It's just been so fucking cool. And I just love connecting with people and talking about deep shit. I don't really like small talk. I don't care for it. I don't give a shit. What you sh- never
1: have. And that's what no. I, That's one of the things that I've really liked about you and and that everyone in our little uh, weird group of friends has appreciated about you.
0: That's nice. Sometimes I think I, I come on too strong and intense.
1: No, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, No, shit always got loud when you or I or both walked into a place. Oh, that's for sure. sure. For That's sure. for sure. Um, I I, yeah. I actually think that it, it's funny because when uh, years ago I used to be in the poetry scene out here in uh, in the Los Angeles. Well, I, was about probably, I was coming out of that probably around the time that I met you guys, yeah. and um, and I used to sit there and and watch some of the people that would go up and just lay their soul out. Like, I mean, just really, really lay it out in like an eight minute sort of poem that they had written and memorized. And, and, uh, I remember this one woman who was pregnant and the dad had already bailed. Um, and she wrote and and performed this, uh, this incredible poem about just fuck him and how, she, how she was going to just raise this kid if she had to raise the kid on her own. And all of us were just floored. And I remember talking to her and talking to some of these people afterwards and going, you know, I got to, from my music background, I'm, I'm, I'm used to being up on a stage and being able to, uh, be vulnerable, being able to, to maybe even talk about why I wrote this thing or whatever. It's different to get up there. In silence, you're hiding behind no instruments and you are literally just like letting it go for eight minutes. And I would ask them, like, how do you how do you get up there and just be that vulnerable? And what gives you the confidence to really like be okay doing it? And this one woman, Ariana, told me she gave me the most interesting answer. She said, I don't have a fucking choice, man. It's got to come out. This is how I stay alive, you know, and I thought, how interesting. That's confidence, though. That's understanding oneself enough to go, this outlet, whatever it is, however it manifests itself, is clearly something that not only brings me joy, but I'm kind of good at it, and it's something I should continue to do because it's bringing me life, and it's bringing me happiness. If it can make someone else happy in the process, fucking bingo, man. You're, you've you got icing on the cake. you know.
0: Yeah, that's, what's, that's what I think is so beautiful about like artists and i i don't and i i I mean artists true artists not like people who move out here and are like i want to be an actor i mean like Mm -hmm. people who are passionately artists who want to share their souls with the world like yeah it's the best thing ever and i can't do anything but that so it's like but i'll do it in any i'll do it in different mediums like i'll do it a I'll be I'll write something I'll do it like I've done storytelling shows before I'll do it I'll tell other people's stories through acting but it's like when we have to like share our souls with the world Mm -hmm. I just think it's so fucking rad and the fact that you're also a poet that I I knew that but I forgot about that and I love that about you
1: were you at my book release party or no that must have been before before that was before me because that was like 2012 you were still in high school
0: I wasn't even here then yeah
1: yeah you were you were like a sophomore in high school when yeah I was came like
0: out. I was actually in like middle school in
1: 2012 I got another one that's pretty much done but I'm having somebody edit it just because it's smart you always have somebody you know,
0: I want to buy but, it will you tell me when it's out
1: yeah I mean I don't know if you can afford it but I'll definitely let you know oh, yeah it's, it's gonna like, be in a gold of- yeah yeah we're having Chrissy Teigen's people handle it so it'll be, like, very g- wrapped up in uh, gold. You know, the, the ribbon will be made from her uh, one Hair. of her wigs. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. scented as well, probably.
1: Yeah, it's going to be scented with uh, some of John Legend's uh, "Aqua Di Gio. <laughs> Do you want to know something really funny? Can I tell you something really funny?
0: I mean, I'm still recording. Do you want me to push stop before you tell me that? No, no,
1: no, no, no. This is good. This is good. This is good. Okay. This is for the people at home. So, um, Ashley, we were watching the uh, inauguration uh, party concert thing last night. And she, that was was good. Yeah, 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 Uh, sure. You know, everything's a little easier now. Um, And Ash says, I feel like, she's like, John Legend, very talented guy, obviously. Like, great singer, great piano player, great songwriter. She's like, I feel like he's the Michael McDonald of our time. Do you know who Michael McDonald is or two no, you're no, too young? I'm too young. Ain't no mountain high. Okay, yeah, I know that song. Ain't hey. no hey. mountain like things like that. Yeah, yeah, you know? I know that song. Uh, and I was laughing so hard, and I'm like, man, we're old. We're old. We're yeah, We're like I didn't those even know who old that was. people that are Yeah, well, yeah, fuck you. It's because you're a child. <laughs> you'll have you'll have more confidence after you turn 30. <laughs> Uh, no, something does happen though. When you turn thirty, something happens. You, you know, just, like, when you magically... turn twenty, when you turn twenty, not a lot of happens because you're like, eh, I still can't drink legally for another year. It's red solo cups for me at yeah, Bobby's sure. garage. You know what I mean? Sure. And then, uh, and then, and then when you hit thirty, that's sort of like, oh man, I gotta like figure out my life. You know? Yeah. And then hopefully by forty, you figured it out. You know? And then by fifty, you can lose all that and start over.
0: What if I was like, that's
1: my 10 year plan?
0: I'm 42. I'm already, I would
1: definitely ask you for the number, the number of your, your laser skinologist.
0: (laughs) I want to do laser skin. I've never done it.
1: I see the, you'll see like the commercials for the Kardashian show, you know, and they're all laying there and they're all getting it all. I'm thinking how much money, you know, I spend a lot of money on, uh, on my body, but you know, the parts that people can't see, but to spend that much money <laughs> on your body just every day—it seems like they have to go in, and you know that's so much pressure. And it's a that's lot of so work. So much money to spend. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a lot of work. Well, thanks for uh, chatting with me. You're this is so fun. I just, you know, how much I love you. I've always loved you. You're the greatest. Oh man, um,
1: you too. You're so going, whoa,
0: fucking whoa. smart. It may, I want to <laughs> fucking squeeze your head off and put it into my head because
1: you're so fucking smart. No, you don't want to know what uh, comes with the other side of all this. I'll so.
0: take it. I'll, I can
1: handle <laughs> it. <laughs> I'll give you. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll write down the, uh, the the different cocktail that keeps it, it keeps it in line. <laughs> no, great. thank you for having me. This is great. I, I uh, you know, no doubt this will be the final episode of the show. And this is uh, it. The ratings will be the so word. bad.
0: <laughs> oh, What's going th- through the roof.
1: No. I was going What's up on a high th- note. What's my thumbnail going to be? Have you picked out the picture of me that you like the most yet that you want to use for it?
0: No. I was, I'll ask you. I'll, I usually ask the people. But in your case, I'm just going to pick it.
1: You pick it. Just I don't. Fucking
0: I usually just pick people's like when I Google them. If what,
1: someone asks me for know. a picture for, of myself, I have I have to send them over to the our people at Critical Role, and I'm like they got a thing. I I don't keep. They have to
0: like approve it.
1: No, I just don't keep a bunch of photos got of me it. on my computer. Got it. You know I have like vacation photos and shit like that. Yeah, but I'm gonna mean, use I, your had, photo. Like,
0: I hacked into your computer. You didn't know that.
1: Oh, that's cool. They're under uh you know, they're they're you know, there's Belize here, yeah, I there's saw. uh there's Bakersfield, you know, they're alphabetically Barstow. Yeah, yeah they yeah. alphabetically done. All
0: those places that you take vacations to <laughs> Yeah Barstow.
1: <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me. This is fun, man.
0: This is fun. I'm uh, glad you're doing this. Thank you so much for doing it. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? I love to hear from listeners about what has helped you build your confidence, whether it's a favorite book or a mantra or maybe an event you went through. Leave it in the review section for me to check out. And you can also leave in the review section any topics that you would like discussed on the show. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much.